0: Hello, I'm Derek the DM of The World of VALA and Creative Director of Entertainment Stu. We would like to welcome you to Inside the World of VALA, a new podcast which allows us, the Stu crew, the chance to analyze and break down the concepts that are presented and explored in our tabletop podcast, The World of VALA. Join us weekly for philosophical discussions, character analysis, narrative construction, and much more. Today, we have...
1: It's me, Asia. And Sam.
2: And I'm John.
0: And we're talking about, as you can tell from the title, building the house while living in it. Making a tabletop homebrew. So this is just our journey of how the world of Al was created. Um, So we're going to go through... We're going to discuss the idea of inhabiting the living document of a homebrew. I'll explain what that means when we get to it. Um, And then we're going to go through from start to evolution and how each of us has kind of changed and drifted along with the passing waves of time that is the world of valid creation. So, Mm -hmm. with that out of the way, let's begin. So The World of Bala, um, it's a story that we get asked all the time. Um, the origin of the World of Bala come from one thing, Naruto, and my excessive ability to want to write fan fanfiction. Um, I, wrote, I wrote a fan fiction in that started my junior year of high school. And it I changed so much from Naruto, and I was like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make my own world. So I did that. Um, this book was called the, world, the Sins of the Father. It's kind of like the main arc that we're currently in within our current, like, playing playing through the world of Valor. And I just sat on it for a bit. Like, I did nothing with it. And so I went to college and took a philosophy Dungeons and Dragons course, where I got my first look into Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I never thought Dungeons and Dragons would be for me. Um, I never cared for it. Didn't know what it was. But that first taste was so that woken a sort of new idea of storytelling that i never really experienced it's free form storytelling the likes that can't be replicated without a tabletop so the natural the natural evolution of that was that as a content creator i wanted to make a documentary and as i was working on a documentary about tabletop games and Dungeons and dragons um i realized that wow i uh, entertainment is a company now Um, We can kind of do whatever we want. We'll do a tabletop podcast, and let me tell you, just because you have a world set up doesn't mean you have what it takes to make turn that created world into a homebrew. Um, I know striking out right off the distance. um, I didn't. I had experiences with 5e due to my to the philosophy of D and D course. But I didn't want to use the 5e system because, complete honesty, I was lazy. And I didn't want to lo- I didn't want to learn a new system. Because one thing that was discussed within our philosophy and DD course is that we wanted to input more philosophy within the world. The problem is, since we are using um, 5e. Five E rules, as well as five uh, like a Five E world, we couldn't exactly put the philosophy we wanted to put in. It became limiting, and so our professor at the time, um, shout out, Dr. H A, uh, our professor at the time, he he suggested that maybe the way to fix that was to create your own tabletop world where you can input these philosophical ideas from the beginning, and I was like, okay, we can do that. So we just won't use 5e. The problem is,
2: I. Sorry, can I blow my nose real quick? Yeah, yeah, of course. You just, yeah. I should have been like slowly. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Derek, who's editing this. This may sound really <laughs> gross. God, I it's so funny. <laughs> okay, I'm good. Sorry okay.
0: about that. No, no, you're good. What did I say last?
1: Um, shout out to H.A. Nethery. Um, we found out that making, incorporating philosophy into a tabletop podcast would work better if you were to do it from the beginning in a homebrew setting. Okay. Did that actually help?
0: Yeah. Sweet. So, the, home, the homebrew setting that I utilized was Sins of the Father, the one that I already picked. Um, the world of Ballon, or is the world that Sins of the Father took place mm-hmm. in. Um, I wanted to just utilize these philosophical concepts, but the problem is I went through. I didn't think of a structure and went straight to substance. So, if you've been from the podcast from the beginning, um, we used five E like class systems, five E uh, character creation to establish our first set of characters for the world of Ayla. Um, right now, we currently only have one active player from that, and that's you, Asia.
1: Me, Asia.
0: So, how similar was the creation of Adeshina Talon was to Omba, the first D&D character you made? Um, in that philosophy D&D course.
1: Not similar at all, because I didn't know what I was doing with Omba. I was just like, I like orcs. I like bards. I'm going to do whatever the heck I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It was just... I don't... I'm going to say this. Don't take it to heart. I don't like D&D 5e because it's so complicated. I know it's just like, oh, just read the thing. You'll get it. It feels complicated to me just getting in. Mm-hmm. So it's just like it didn't work the way I thought it was I did. I feel like it's one of those things where if you don't want to, like, dive in and actually, like, read everything, you have to, like, keep practicing and practicing and practicing making it. Because my first, like, jump in, it didn't work how I thought it would. Yeah. So I kind of didn't know what I was doing. It's like when you play a new game and then you find out five hours later that you specced your character all wrong because the game didn't work how you thought it did. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that's kind of in the same vein for how I made Adesina because... I remember it was just like, yeah, I want to be a druid, and we were going by Five E rules. So druidicism in Five E it tells you that you're supposed to rely on
2: mostly nature and um,
1: which check is nature
2: intelligence. Intelligence, I think that's your your main score as a druid. Yeah,
1: it said you were supposed to rely on your wisdom, mm-hmm. but we do all, but for um, World of Vala, you do all your druidicism with wisdom so I had specter so that like which is wait no you're supposed to do wisdom in 5e in world of valor we do all our nature checks with intelligence because that's what nature is under right
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: um, so I had specter for wisdom to be your strongest stat and it was just like actually you need intelligence congrats where was I going with this
0: just the difference from creating the character so you pretty much just
1: okay I, yes, I didn't want to go too much. Yeah. <laughs> so I think
2: I have a bit of a... As the kind of resident uh, to 5e expert, I've been playing 5e for years. Um, and actually, Rokander was initially created in a 5e environment. By the way, real quick. Sorry if my voice sounds weird. i feeling a little sick today. Uh, just allergies. Um, and so Rokander, I made him initially into 5e, and then I kind of translated him into World of Valor. Coming from 5e, I actually felt World of Vala was a bit more complicated. Uh, so I think it's interesting how... Just the system you're used to is the one that seems like it's the easier one. Because um, you had you had the, just the opposite uh, reaction to that. So I think it was interesting bringing Rokander, who's amazing, initially fully in 5e, and kind of doing the translation work to bring him into the world of Vala and finding out which elements I could keep and which elements I had to replace. That, that
0: is interesting. What about, like, I Guess this helps a good segue into my next point, which was like my main what I started out wanted to be the main differentiations between 5e and uh the world of vala. What was what what about world of vala makes it harder than 5e? I mean, I'm sorry, makes it more complicated
2: than yeah. 5e. Uh, it, it's not that so much as it's harder, but I think it's with world of vala, um, the a lot of the character building elements uh aren't as packaged the way 5e is. So 5e has. Uh, for example barbarians because there, there are certain um, abilities like physical techniques that are found in other classes so for example barbarians have the rage ability which gives them resistance to uh, bludgeoning sash- slashing and piercing damage and you could get that like rage flow uh in world of vala uh and it's it's its own thing it's its own physical technique um but if you want to build a barbarian style character, you have to do it very differently in World of Valor. So, like, you can't just use that one ability because it won't stack well with other abilities, or it won't. You have to find new ways to combine it. So, um, it. The, I'd say to sum it up, uh, 5E is kind of like prepackaged lunches, where it's like, oh, uh, here's a barbarian uh, dinner, and these are all the things you need to barbarian. We've got it covered. Just follow this tree, and this is your barbarian setup. Whereas uh, World of Vala is more like a choose-your-own buffet, it's you can take you know, piecemeal whatever you want from each of the classes, but you've got to build them together your own. And um, if you don't spend a whole lot of time or be very familiar with the makeup of World of Vala, it can be difficult to find something that pieces together very well. Um, it's like some of the issues I had building a new character uh, in World of Vala was, I found cool abilities, that were uh, mutually exclusive. So I couldn't use it at the same time, like I was used to in 5e. So that's, that's to me where it felt more complicated is uh, finding ways to grab a bunch of abilities and then uh, to combine them well and unique, which has been fun. And it's uh, something I definitely like about World of valor and that it's different. It's just that's how I think it becomes more complicated.
0: I I totally understand that. Um, one of the main things that I want to strive to be having World of Valla, like. The, the one word that I want synonymous with World of Val was not just philosophical based it was also the freedom to do what you want to do um, I hated one one thing about my one experience with d 5e was that I hated that um, I was stuck playing one type of character like, like yes I can role play my character any way that I want but it's just like yeah I wanted a spellcaster that was also like that didn't have to like sacrifice an arm and a life metaphorically to like become good like weapons or like hand to hand I want it like I kind of want it at all and I think the way that the world of Bala how I wanted it to be set up was that yeah do whatever the hell you want I don't care just like it's like oh you want to be like we had a character who like the entire world was built off of like magic every living person has magic yeah um, they wanted to make a character that didn't have any magic. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Because I thought that the freedom was the most important part. The problem is um, my want for freedom in a living world. The, like, it's like a, I promised the world of Al was just a living, alive world. No matter what the players are doing, there's other characters doing stuff in the background that I'm always constantly rolling for. Uh, the pitfalls of a world like that is that if you're going to do that, you need excessive rules to like set up for players just aren't doing whatever they want, or players aren't lost. Yeah, we ran into a huge problem where um, I, I like, I was just like, man, we have this magic system, and like because World of valid we don't have we don't have spell slots. We, um, it's we have mana that's like rechargeable. It's so a mana point system. Yeah. We, have, we don't have uh, we don't have death saving throws. If you die, you're dead. Um, so I was always wondering, so because of that, um, we had a player character that uh, he didn't want to try anything because it was just like if I, he's played 5 me for a while, it's like so if I die, I'm just dead. And that's scary to jump into that idea. And so all of our initial player characters were like that. And I was like, well, if you guys use magic, maybe you guys could uh, could like actually like fight in this world. And they're just like, where's the spells, Eric? Where's the spells? I was just like, well, if you just asked me for spells, I could give them to you. And that sort of laissez faire like DMing doesn't work if you want to give freedom. Like it sounds like like an oxymoron, but it's just like if you want freedom in a homebrew setting, you need to put like excessive rules of what people can and can't do. And I did not do that at first.
1: It was like, I, I think it's interesting now, like especially now that I've gotten to a point where I know so much more about the way you've structured the world. But, um, how do I say, uh... How do I say frustrating without using the word frustrating?
0: (laughs) I I think you can just use frustrating.
1: Because it was in the beginning, it was very, uh, God. um, It was like the way you tell colloquial stories where it's like, oh, yes, this is how this works. But I didn't give you this piece of information. Ha ha. And it felt like that in the beginning because you were like, "Okay, I want you to grow along with the world, which is like a great idea. And it makes sense. But for pe- for making characters that are like, even if they're young, like 18, 16, whatever, they've still lived in the world and there's stuff that's still obvious to them mm-hmm. that like, if you don't have any information about like the world, you don't know what you sh- your character should and shouldn't know. Um, and God, I'm sorry. I have so many thoughts. They're branching out. Let me get back to the thing about like the spell crafting system i remember you were like yeah magic is so important to the world of Vala. magic is intrinsic to everyone there's not just like warlocks or sorcerers or wizards who are the spell casters spell casting is important and innate and just a part of the world yeah but there was we didn't have the system we have now where you can make your own spells or we didn't have any examples of like these are the spells that are used so it made, like, we made characters that you couldn't make again because they were brand new. Like, they didn't have any spells, and that would have been weird to think about now. They yeah. didn't have any techniques, and that would have been weird to think about now. Like, how'd you go 18 years in this world and you didn't learn a spell?
2: Yeah, so it's, it's just one of those things where it's straight. I think it's the, the dilemma of having so much freedom, you don't have any real choices. Um, you know, it's kind of like loading up into a video game and it's, well, what do I do? Well, you can do anything. Okay, but what do I do? And it's when you, when you have so much freedom, it can be difficult to, to decide what it is you're going to narrow it uh, and actually focus on and do. So over time that uh, we've added in stuff like the spell list and the technique list and, and uh, really uh, codified how to make a spell has really helped kind of keep that freedom, but shaping it. And say, okay, hey, you have freedom, but these are the limits because you know, these are just this is the physical limit. No, no one in World of All can you know, go beyond this unless maybe you can later on find out, try and do it. Um, so it's having that uh, like tunnel say, oh, this is where you could go, and but you could take the tunnel anywhere. And I think that's really helped as we've kind of shaped the world.
0: Um, outside of myself, only one other person in our team actually has listened to a majority of the World of Valor episodes. And that's Sam. Mm-hmm. You didn't join the World of Valor until the end of season two. Yes. Um, how was it like listening to all of those previous episodes?
3: Um, I, I know that you guys are like usually are, would say like, yeah... The early episodes weren't that good or like, cause like either the quality or like sometimes you didn't want to like go in the direction of the story that you wanted to go to, mm-hmm. but I actually really enjoyed them. And it made like me knowing the background of all these different characters and how I could interact with them, like was really enjoyable as well. So then I could complete like.
0: So when you weren't able to just jump right in, you knew. Yeah. About the world. Yeah.
3: I wasn't like going in like blind, like how um, people in season one were.
0: Mm.
3: I, I like had some like background of how the world works I- a little bit.
0: I guess, also, you didn't get to see me edit around a lot of the... Derek, am I supposed to know that? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That was a
1: common question. Yeah. So, uh, Derek, I noticed you mentioned this. Um, Would I I know about this? Yes? No? Okay. Okay.
0: Scene. So, um, I guess my experiment worked. (laughs) But... um, you stop listening to it after you joined the... Yeah, I hate listening to me. No, lives. no, I, I understand um, <laughs> Respect. Mm-hmm. So this is, like, this is going to be a question to the audience. For those that have been here from the beginning, what's the difference in... Because the thing is, I, I, I listen to every episode, and unfortunately, since it's, like, the editor, I, all I hear is... It's a gradient. It's, yeah. So I would like the, the audience to tell me, like, what exactly did like, did change throughout this whole process. Because, as Asia said, it was, like, a toy house. It's like we were playing, you know, playing, uh... Pretend. Pretend, where it's just, like, oh, I'm the ringleader of the kid playing pretend. And then I would just pull rules out of nowhere. And then the thing is, I wrote the story. I know that these rules are set up. But then, like, on... You get pushed back back in the episode. It's just like, Derek, What?
1: yeah, it's like you think you're playing the game and you think it works like this, and you spent the entire thing time thinking it works like this, and there's nothing to contradict you because that's kind of like your own personal logic. And then it's like, hey, it doesn't work like this. But you also aren't kind of you kind of aren't allowed to know the background of how it does it's like why it works like that because mm-hmm. it's like a spoiler kind of because you're supposed to be growing with the world. I remember I it wasn't like arguments, but I'd be like I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna do this. And it's like, it doesn't work like that. What what do you mean? Why, why doesn't it work like that? Well it doesn't work like this because of this, this, and this. And also that's just not how it works in the world. And it's just like my personal common sense dictates that it should, so without like a concrete answer. It was like, I had to really learn how to trust Derek and assume that there was a good reason behind everything because otherwise it just sounded like I was like, oh yes, here is fantasy common sense. Um, This is what I've taken from my years of fantasy gameplay. It works like this. And Derek would take it and throw it out. Be like, no, it doesn't. Okay. Well, screw me, I guess.
0: Like vampires in the world of Allah they aren't affected by the sun. Um, garlic doesn't affect them but like I don't I didn't just say that out loud and so it's just like heaven forbid they ran to a vampire in the first season and they're just like son why is that working yeah it doesn't work (laughs) what and so world building without telling your players about said world building doesn't work, especially if it's a new homebrew with like new lore and it's just like, yeah, Derek, you put this book on Wattpad,
2: but did any of your friends read it? <laughs>
0: it's funny. <laughs> Go for the
1: secret lore, find the underground Wattpad.
2: Because in fairness, there is a, a, an equivalent to that in 5e, because uh, there will be times where we run into monsters. And, you know, for example, um, just recently, uh, we were going up against uh, something called a water weird, which we are underwater and you can't see them underwater they're, they're too thin and transparent and we didn't know how they worked and apparently they had abilities like they could uh, reach you from 10 feet away and grapple you And as stuff we had to learn by fighting them um, but I think the you know where this comes to World of Vala is kind of classic monsters that you expect you know because when we see oh there's just a random invisible thing in the water okay well let's figure out how that works it's something new when it's something it seems familiar but it really isn't mm-hmm. it, it could be uh like you said they're frustrating almost uh, learning it's when you you think you know something and then it doesn't Uh, but sometimes in role playing you you don't get to know all the answers because uh, if your character hasn't known vampires the whole time they might not know that so uh, you might think you've you know figured it out and you've seen behind the curtain when really you still haven't and that can be kind of uh, difficult to deal with as players so the more we've I think it's helped that not only have has World of Valid become a lot more strictly written down, but also we have learned a lot more about the world itself. We are a lot more familiar with a lot of the things that we thought we were familiar, but now we really are.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, you're right. Like, now, now nothing's really, like, a surprise in the world because we've gone, like, we've recorded over 100 hours in the World of Valid. Um. Like
2: half a playthrough of Skyrim.
0: Yeah, half a playthrough of Skyrim, of <laughs> um, the world of Valor. and yeah, like 80, 80 episodes, over a hundred hours. That's wild. But within the story itself, you run into this problem where um, our evolution was dictated by the need to constantly like establish rules. So we started out with, um, uh, it would just be the four of us around one mic. And then we'd be like, oh, Ian, what does 5 d say about this? Okay, that's what 5 d says. Derek, do you want that to be our stance? Yeah, yeah, he says. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And no. that that eventually evolved to me, like... Um, Standing aside and just like, oh, this just isn't working because it gets so confusing. And the thing is, I've had players come to me and tell me that this, it doesn't make any sense. And it's like, I, I totally get why. The, it's why I always say, hey, the first two seasons of the World of Out are really rough. And I guess it doesn't seem as rough because I edited around it. But like playing it must have been the most frustrating thing.
2: Yeah, now, I wasn't around the first two seasons so I don't have a lot of room to speak on this but as someone who knows 5e very well I can see the how it might be difficult playing a game where a lot of the rules are like 5e and all of a sudden you come into a rule that's not uh, and I think that is definitely one of the uh, pitfalls of building a new world especially playing the world as we're building it um, where uh, once, it's, once it's fully world of alma, that's fine, it's its own thing it's great, but it's that that transition period where you're trying to figure out exactly where the lines are uh, between the two which which can be very difficult
1: i think it also like taking into consideration the experience of the players because before that ian was a person who had the most like ian was a person we went to for 5e rules he had the most D D experience and i had played what one game derek had played like one game and i think elise was brand new to tabletop so we all came in with our kind of own expectations for how things would go. And it felt like a lot of times we were just kind of bumbling about when our these expectations kind of like clashed with each other or with the reality of what was happening. Like almost we were playing like four different genres of game all at once. And
0: that's a good point because um, I, it's a William Faulkner quote. Go back to the way that storytelling in the world of Valor was set up, where it's like I promise that people can do whatever they want. So we had um, a person who made a mistake and is playing is playing a reformed uh, bad person. We have an academic. I mean, we had two academics, hmm. and that's the word they wanted to. Each of those were like different genres of, like, yeah, just of a story so it's just like we had the typical action adventure which is like Gardain we had Adeshina which had a lot of the more horror elements of the world of Valor and then we had the Mars Mech which was Noir world of Valor like the mystery of it and each of them played their characters to these different genres and tonally it kind of threw everything off yeah especially since like going back to the world that I wanted to create a freedom um William Faulkner has a quote that says, the only story worth writing is a human conflict in conflict with itself. So within the world of Alan, I wanted that to be the main thing. Like we, we're weaving philosophy in, but also the main thing is that in the end, the biggest enemies are our own conflicts. So I appreciate the fact that everyone had their own conflict. I appreciate that everyone had their own storyline. But how that looks like in a world that didn't have any rules set up was just like, Derek, where do we go? Yes. It's like, where, where do we go from here? And so I fear that a lot of the first episodes seems like me railroading players. Because it's like, I gave them the world to explore. And then that's daunting when you don't know the world.
1: Or when you're not, like, it's, like, if someone gives you a sandbox game and you've never played sandbox before, you've only played, like, really linear games. It's just, like, what do I do now? Yeah. It's just, like, Dungeons &
0: Dragons. You're supposed to be in dungeons, um, getting rewards, going on quests. And it's just, like, yeah, here's this big open world that has, like, different economies and governments and, like, wars and battles are happening without you. Go ahead and interact with that.
1: And it's interesting how it affected your DMing, because I think now, like, basically, you give us kind of what the episodes, not like you tell us what the episode is, but you're like, hey, this is kind of like the vague goal, go in with that in mind. And you don't railroad us as much as you used to. You don't hold our hand as much because it's grown to the point where you kind of don't need to where we can finally rely on character motivation and just our own ideas of how things should happen. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of like from season one to now, taking the training wheels off because, and it's just, I don't know. I keep saying it, but it's really fun to see. Because a character like Rokander, and I think also a character like Santana, couldn't have worked as well as they do. In season one. No. Like, they really, I feel like they really flourished for the time that they jumped in. And Santana got her first things mm-hmm. in around, like, season two epilogue. Mm-hmm. And Rokander came in fully in season three. And I yeah. think they, I feel like all the characters we have speak of an era of the world of Bala, if I can be as, like, pompous to call it. <laughs> To be, oh, the era of the world of Vala. I think, I think that's pretty good. But I feel like they all stand for like, different things. And you can kind of not only just like, enjoy the characters for what they are, but read into the development of world of Vala through the characters.
2: Yeah, and, and building off of that, of how the characters interact with the storytelling of the world of Vala, um, again, kind of comparing and contrasting to 5e, at least in my experience, I in the game I play, there's a lot more people. There's about six of us in uh, the party, and our DM has a bit more of a straightforward storytelling. So for me, building characters, I'll typically build characters who have some side plot stuff going on, but not a lot, but that I think would be fun to roleplay and to bring into the world, uh, but don't have a whole lot of narrative drive. So when I built Rokander, I built him that way. So I don't. you might have noticed when Rokander was very new to the world of Allah he wasn't doing much, uh, like at all, because I didn't really... Uh, in my mind i wasn't preparing to kind of be driving a story i just kind of built Rokander as a fun interesting character to play and he developed on his own naturally from there um and he eventually had more goals and was kind of going towards something uh but that's uh, again as i'm kind of working on new characters uh to potentially bring into the world of Allah one day um i'm now having to think what's this character's story going to be what are they what is their drive what do they want uh and that's something that's very interesting of Creating my own uh, narrative, that I'm not really used to doing in five E games.
0: Yeah. Oh, did you?
1: No, I, like I could go through and try to like match the eras of everyone because I personally think rambling about that would be fun, but I feel like that's a lot.
0: I, I, I was gonna I was gonna point out some more differences that our current version of would you call it World of 1.0.
2: I, I think 1.0
0: is good. I think, like, with like the completed book, that's like. Because, like, it's still tweaking stuff. Yeah.
2: yeah I think 1.0. I think when you finished the book, that officially became World of Valor 1.0. So,
0: in this current version, um, classes have never existed within the World of Valor. Um, but now we have archetypes. So, it's like, it's like your setup skills. It doesn't lock you into anything, but it's just like, hey, do you want to start with the warrior archetype? The Mage Archetype, the Rogue Archetype, just the three basic fantasy archetypes. And from there, you do what you want within the world. Um, uh, We've introduced more races because uh, uh, we started only with two races in the World of Allah And that pushed off a lot of people who wanted to join the World of Allah because they didn't want to play like a human or a baconic, which just looks like a human with an eye change.
1: If anything, a Vaconic is more like a sub race because any race can be a Vaconic.
2: Yeah. I'll say, I initially, I wanted to do, I've almost always done beast races in playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, So initially, I was like, uh, okay, what kind of, you know, like an alligator person. And then I was like, oh, no, 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 it's it's humans. It's like, oh, okay, so I'll be like a dragon born then. It's like, no, 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 John, it's just humans. And I was like, it took some getting used to. Uh, So I'm bringing in, uh, hopefully, exploring some of the new character races. Uh, going forward, and I think having a lot, I think I'm going to have a lot of fun with that if I can speak properly. um But it was interesting having because uh, there was a lot of um differences between our characters. uh Whereas I feel like beast races, by experience, tend to be kind of a shortcut to a personality. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, okay, well I'll play a turtle folk, so he'll be slow and cautious and direct, or I'll play. Uh, an eagle person, and they're very quick, and they're uh, kind of predatory. It's it's you have to completely come up with your own stuff. If everyone's a human, it's entirely new personalities uh, that you can't just shortcut.
0: That's actually when, no, since I no, since I never really played DD and the only time I played D I, I I played a human. <laughs> um, I guess that's that is, I guess a unique difference of the world of battle where it's just like since everyone looked the same at first like everyone's the same race you do just have to focus more on making your character stand out also which was a problem because the world of ala has an obnoxious amount of npcs and the problem is fans at the beginning preferred the npcs over the player characters
1: to be, f- i don't blame them for that because the npcs had it together <laughs> The player characters are like a motley crew, like tripping over their own untied shoelaces. And the player character and the NPCs came through like, hey, I'm Avery and I'm perfect. And also I'm going to save the day and I'm amazing. Hmm. That's true. But I was going to say, it. I feel like I just keep saying the same thing over and over. Just thinking about reflecting on the growth and how season one is so different and so raw and rough Mm -hmm. compared to like what is the season four season four yeah season four and how like there are so many systems and it's just like because we have these things in place i feel like creativity has gone up
3: it has i would say it
0: has
1: and it's just so fun it's so much more fun to play and it's so rewarding thinking about the journey it took to getting there. Because tying it into the race thing, I don't care about humans. I didn't care about humans before this. I was like, oh, human? That's me already. I'm not doing this to be me. I'm doing this to explore. Why are you making me a human? Mm -hmm. But it's like playing through it, I really got the kind of like underdog, full of potential, human in a world of like quote unquote others kind of feel. And now I'm just like, huh, I could be all these other races or I could just be a human again. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough.
2: Uh, And I think going back to the comparisons of NPCs being preferred in the beginning, uh, I think that that relates right back to the rule sets. And that in the beginning, the NPCs knew all the rules because they were Derek, and Derek knew all the rules. (laughs) And once the players grew more and uh, they understood more about the rules and they were able to use more of the world of Vala, then all of a sudden the attention started shifting back over to them. Uh, I think it's just all about, as you see the growth and how people prefer certain characters, you can see that kind of change. So,
0: that's all I had to say about this. Like, I feel like we can go for, like, a while, but I know we still have a and a session that we wanted to get through. Um, are there any other last thoughts?
1: Um, I love the rune and spell creation system because you already have the spells, but it really feels like we're building the world. And it's so fun to think about like, like perfectly crafting something that reflects your character and like is something that you can say that they added to the world. And then the way that you do like Training is fun. I'm sorry, I'm just you, came gonna... up with a
0: tra- you and You you came up with a training system.
1: I did come up with a training system. And can I just Good. say, I think it's fun. I think it's fun to have this idea of training to get stuff rather than like a freaking shonen anime. Rather than being like, okay, you leveled up, you get this cantrip, you can get this, pick this stuff up, because it can, because we level up narratively, it can be so long before you can like fill in the spaces of the character that you're lacking. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's gonna become obsolete down the road because we've not run into problems so far because our characters are still relatively young. But it's just fun to go through that and think about stuff. And yes, boom.
2: Yeah, training definitely helped fill some of the differences between World of Valor and the way it does with 5e, leveling up and getting stronger, which was there was a bit of a gap there. So adding in the training mechanism really helped kind of have the two be comparative in how you gain strength and level up. Um, One thing we haven't touched on a whole lot is the magic system, which is literally entirely different from 5e. so it's again. I think that's part of why also where I think it's complicated, which is I'm relatively familiar with Magic and Five E, uh, and like it's just I, there's I I was trying to think of some touchstones, but they're just they're literally two different systems. Uh, so there's not a whole lot to say about the two, uh, but I just wanted to bring up that they are really different and they do play very differently, and that's a huge change between the two systems.
1: Is it just me, or is it just like the Magic system to me? It makes more sense because like crpgs and video games and stuff like that it bites off more from that than necessarily from like typical tabletop stuff
0: yeah that that's what i tried to emulate where it's just like oh like crpgs or like skyrim like or an elder scrolls game yeah. where it's just like mana is just like used up and it comes back eventually and i think for the world of Vala and like our combat system the world of Valor i think it's pretty cool because it's pretty dynamic yeah where it's just like it feel like every fight like feels like a big deal. Like fights don't happen as much as you would think it would in the world of Vala. because every fight I don't want to say it's like a cinematic masterpiece, but like it's, they're good. Like the fight between every fight that Adeshina has had against Lazarus has just been a good super tense fight.
1: So stressful. I think one of, I, I like the uh, first Cabal fight where we all fought together against yeah, that great. giant golem. I feel like... Like Derek said, if you think about it in animation-wise, it gets like... It's awesome. Yeah. Uh,
2: which I will say, uh, I don't think that's necessarily a staple of role of Val. I've had similar feelings playing 5e. I think that's just a sign of good storytelling and good DMing, which to give Derek a little bump there. Because uh, it, it, to me... The fights don't seem very different from the other stuff I've done in Five E. They it's we we get we fight them differently because the combat system is different. Um, but I don't necessarily think that the fights being very cool or cinematic is a product of the system. I think that's just a product of, of the DM. That's okay. kind of my five cents in there.
0: Here, 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 here.
2: Um.
0: Yeah. All honestly, all these systems we could do like an entire episode on. Them. But um, we'll decide what our next episode will be.
2: q and Q&A? Yeah, I'll start. I've got a couple questions pulled up. Uh, so this is from Flyers2814. Uh, so Santana is an aunt. Does anyone actually care about Angelo? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it, it It goes from zero to 100 real quick with this question. Uh, I feel like he comes off as super villainous all the time. Is that just me?
1: No, it's not just you. But like character care about and no you can't answer this because this is a one-off question i'll I, I question to like
2: me. i'll try i'll do my best <laughs> channel yeah
1: uh character care about angelo or like person playing care about
2: angelo the, uh as flyers 2814 uh i feel like it's players i think i think they're wondering do do us players care about angelo Derek, I, I guess you probably do. You're the DM. I feel like if you didn't care about Angela, you wouldn't have made him. Um, Angela's uh, one
0: of my favorite characters in the world of Alan. But not because... Like The thing is, they're they saying that, oh, does he seem villainous? Um, I don't want to be like, I think that's the point. <laughs> um, the thing is, he's not a straight out-and-out villain, but he hasn't had any qualms of showing that a lot of the things he does is very self-serving. Like, he's here for himself. And... Yeah. That's what matters.
2: Yeah, I get that vibe a lot from Angelo as well.
1: Um, I, it's, I feel like it's almost impossible for me to separate how I think about Angelo from how my characters think about Angelo, because that's how I experience Angelo. Sure. Asia um, just has a lot of love, and she's like, yeah, Angelo's shady. Look at him. Oh, man, Angelo's doing this, but look at his backstory. It's I a sad backstory. It. I get it. Dang it, Angelo. Hmm. But uh, character-wise, it's like, we didn't trust Angelo from the jump. We've been knew Angelo was shady.
3: Um. So yeah, Santana, it's it's her brother. So yeah, I guess she cares about him, but he's also just very shady. It's like, kind of like, yeah, I love my sibling, but I don't trust them. Because siblings are really petty. Uh, not saying Angelo's petty, but just in general, it's like, yeah. He,
1: he's untrustworthy.
3: That's,
2: that's fair enough. Uh, I, th- I think that answer was yeah. hit oh, pretty well. Did you
1: say how you felt?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with Derek in the guards of... Um, I think Angel's interesting as a character, and I'm curious to see more of him, but also he's very shady. I, I'm still coming off of the Rokander, um, that mindset. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's he, Rokander doesn't trust anybody. Uh, he's very isolationist. Um, so it's this idea of... Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, if i was speaking as Rokander, not really. He doesn't care too much about Angelo. Uh, but me personally, I'm interested to see where he, his story is going. But he absolutely seems super villainous. So you are not alone, Flyers2814.
0: Okay, next question?
2: Uh, yeah, next up we've, <laughs> we've got a question from... Uh, <laughs> yeah, you've heard the name. Uh, Whoopsie Poopsie. Uh, which, I, that is so funny. I love that name. Yeah. Um, so here's a question. All right. Uh, Adesina takes on Godslayer, loses, but what did, uh, ellipses, she do to Melissa? Even though she didn't hang out with Angelo more, she totally has pulled out his penchants for accidentally making things worse in the best way possible. Gotcha. Good question, Lucy Poopsie.
1: She's really just trying her best out here. Um, Derek, do you want to explain or shall I?
0: Because. Um, I'll explain. onk dokes um, so if you want to know what she's talking what, what whoopsie poopsie is talking about. Whoopsie
2: poopsie. Whoopsie poopsie. There's no H. It is. It's not whoopsie. It's whoopsie poopsie. Whoopsie. Okay. She asked the question. We got to get it right.
0: Um, I think the, pro. I think what, 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 um, Sir Poopsie, uh, is saying <laughs> is that it's the, epi- it's the most recent episode. Episode AZ Lazarus, the God Slayer. At the end of the episode a light is emanating from in the, inside a dying Melissa. It's like, um, Adesina put on her spirit goggles and was just like, Ooh, what is this? There's this smaller flame within, uh, within Melissa. I'm going to make, I'm going to pump magic into it and make it grow. Yeah. So first off, Asia, what do you think happened?
1: Um, that was some reckless druidity born out of desperation. Um, because the thought is, human spirit is, like, humans are just spirits, so when they're dying, their spirit's flickering, so if I can just strengthen that spirit, she'll be able to hold on until we can get her body less horrifically mangled. Mm-hmm. And there was already a stronger, like, spirit in there, so I don't need to pump magic into that, because I don't know what the heck that is, but the spirit of what she thought she was looking at was the spirit of Melissa herself. If she can pump magic into that, that'll make her more able to survive yeah. because that's strengthened. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so that's the, uh, the, the extent. So, because um, what, what actually happens, um, this isn't really a spoiler for the next time we cut back to Adesina within the world of Mal. Um, this is more so that she, there are rules and regulations to being a god seed and becoming um, the god, right? Um, Adesina kickstarted the god, like, the god engine of Melissa.
2: Ooh, interesting.
1: I feel like it's, like it's never really expli- it's a lot of stuff that we can explain because it's never really explicitly said but if you think about like the context clues mm-hmm. of who her parents are who his brother- her brother is and all that stuff and like it makes sense why wouldn't Melissa just also be a god seed
0: because mm-hmm. we never say she was a god seed we're just like yeah she has these weird ice powers
1: and her brother's a god seed and her dad's a god seed and oops she knocked out Oops, she's been kidnapped.
0: So, um, oopsie, you're gonna get more of an answer next time you see a Deshina. But pretty much, that's just what happened. That's why, like, her ice powers then exploded. Air around them got super cold, and a mountain of ice just like was created. So, uh, thank you for your question. What's the next one?
3: Oh. Sorry, we put them on the group chat. So I just figured that you would just. Uh... Oh yeah, no, I, I keep
2: reading. Yeah, that's cool. I just went with my two.
3: Um, Aminé McFly. Aminé. Amin. Um, McFly. Are we going to see any cameos of your students, Derek? <laughs>
0: um. I wonder who this is. <laughs> yes. Um. Yes. I just wait a few weeks. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, um, and the other one is by RSBOR, R.S. B-O-R, R.S. Um, what character did you um, did you hate but finally got around to liking? I'm looking at Asia.
1: Is there an... Is there... I was, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go last. I'm looking at Asia. Is there someone you think I should say? Give me the answer. Oh,
3: Ambrose.
0: Ambrose. That is also a character John hasn't interacted so with. So annoyed! Oi! Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, he has. has have the have episode we released just that episode? Come out yet. It, it, yeah, We haven't released it yet, but yeah, like,
2: you yeah, know I'm who Ambrose is. Yeah, I, I'm very familiar with Ambrose. Um, look, Rokander, I don't want to spoil too much. Rokander and Ambrose have interactions in the future. Um,
1: they
2: interact, they do. Yeah, so I won't say anything because I don't want to spoil any future episodes but uh, he was brought up in the context of who's a character I hated, so that should give you a clue. <laughs> um,
1: I do, I, I have a soft spot for many characters, but I do have to say Angelo, not Angelo, Ambrose is the one that grew on me. Ambrose grew on me at first. I was like, ah, this piece of trash. I hate him. But then as Derek played him more, I was like, hmm, uh, I begrudgingly like you. And I hate that I like you. But he Derek just plays him so funny.
0: He's just a snide, rich kid that, like... Um, but they're just, like, actually, like, really good at what they do.
1: And they don't stop letting you know about it.
0: They're, like, the worst. But it's, like, there's just something endearing about how, like, sincere they are. Like, they're not evil. They're just
1: a mm. jerk. Hmm. Hmm. They
0: kidnapped the dragon, but then they gave it back.
1: Uh, while my dragon was kidnapped, I was like, "What's he gonna do? Go go down and torture prisoners?" The answer was yes.
2: If this was like a movie, he'd be played like by Adam Scott, who's like the master of, "Oh man, that guy's a real jerk." Uh, yeah, I kind of love him anyway.
1: Ben but, Wyatt.
2: Ben, yeah, that's who Adam okay, Scott is. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but. What, what about
1: y'all?
2: Um, John already said Ambrose. Do uh, you come kinda, to like it, Ambrose? Uh, yeah, but I didn't really like Ambrose at the end. It's oh. only the. It's only uh, if you take half the question, which isn't really answering the question. <laughs> that's just that's just answering a question you wanted to answer. I um, say a character I hated but grew to liking. Um, I'd say Lazarus would probably be the closest. He's funny um, He's because funny. of my initial reactions. Because way back uh, when uh, Lazarus was first. Uh, resurrected by Rokander um, One of my All-time favorite moments in the world of Vala Was when uh, <laughs> Lazarus was going to Attack somebody on Rokander's behalf Because Rokander was very low in health And Lazarus missed uh, He got a, a crit fail on the attack So he missed, turned around And ran 30 feet And hit Rokander by accident Which uh, in parentheses wasn't really an accident He had to do it on purpose But um, but uh, from that first encounter, I thought it was hilarious, but also kind of like, Lazarus is not doing what I'm telling him to. He is not following orders. This is not the, uh, you know, uh, mindless Frankenstein monster I wanted. Uh, this is too much like the actual Frankenstein who is turning <laughs> on his master, and I don't like this. Uh, He's a rascal. <laughs> yeah, but over time, uh, I grew to like Lazarus a little bit more. Maybe a little less as more time went on. But I think that's really the closest. I uh, love that. Rokander's been pretty consistent about characters. Either he's liked them or he hasn't. Uh, that didn't change too much.
3: Um, I was trying to think of a character that I hated and then ended up loving. Um, I, I honestly can't think of any. The only character that I can give that it's like a hate-love relationship is Xavier. Um, because it's his ex-girlfriend. Um yeah I really also I just enjoyed how Derek played Xavier it's really funny it's just like wow also um, in case you have to cut this out is it like do people know that Xavier and Ambrose were dating oh yeah so they're they together yeah they said it cool so Ambrose and Xavier are dating and it's just like oh that makes sense of course they're two peas in a pod of course they would be together of course they would date they would. Look it's how they act.
2: So it's why they do. It's,
3: it's why they do. They're perfect for each other. A match made in not heaven exactly, but vala in vala.
2: That's
0: where it made. Man, could I have a character that I like hated originally? I think is I, I. feel like I love all my characters that I play. Was,
2: was there a player character? That's what I was about to ask. Uh, yeah. Maybe you hated in the beginning, but not, you grew to love. That, was, <laughs> that was, was that was so fast. No. <laughs> Like I didn't even finish the question. It was really a player character? Adeshina. He hands said out. it
1: so fast that my body didn't know whether to have my feelings hurt or not. It was just like what?
2: I originally
0: hated Adeshna. That's fair. Um, because she was so difficult. I, I I found her difficult to deal with. But the thing is, the more I, the world of Alan went on. Um, the more that she became the only last remaining member of the Bound, I realized that a character like Adesina is needed within the world of Ala, because the world of Ala has a bunch of crazy NPCs and like crazy, like out there personalities, and you need the ultimate straight man.
1: But she's not straight. <laughs>
2: Rokander also, I think, does uh, fairly well, but he's just out there with his abilities.
1: And also, Rokander is so. Rokander Rokander is very weird. But no, he's so much more accommodating. He is so much more accommodating than Adeshina. Because, like, the reason I didn't immediately get my feelings hurt is because Adeshina, like, you almost had to drag her kicking and screaming into anything and when you're trying to get like a party started or anything just like in D&D sense it's kind of like the worst to have a character like that
2: i will say in the few interactions rocandor had with adeshina that yeah that checks out cuz
1: it's just like i i know why she acted like that it makes perfect sense to me and mm-hmm. once i explain it i feel like you get how like every button you push end up being the wrong one but that's not really anyone's fault and she can be accommodating but that's just not what happened so I look back and I'm like no yeah yeah I get it
0: yep and so we have one last question from Mr. Grumble 84 who is the biggest idiot in the world of Alan um oh sorry I, I thought I was going to say, I'm pretty sure we all have the same answer, so I'm just going to go ahead and speak for everyone. And then you said Sparrow. I was going to say Angelo.
1: I feel like Angelo's... Oh, wait, what kind of idiot?
0: Like, the thing is, like, if you're just talking about, like, sheer, like, intelligence, it wouldn't be... It'd probably be Sparrow.
3: Yeah, he's a himbo.
0: But the thing is, Angelo messes up so extraordinarily badly. And the thing is, it's like, no, wait, I can fix this. And then he (laughs) keeps messing up.
1: I don't know if that's... Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's like he spills, like, soda. He's like, oh, let me spill more stuff to get the stain out. It's like, oh... No, no,
1: I'll just pour bleach over.
3: Yeah, it's like you spill spill red wine on the carpet. It's like, yeah, you get out with white wine. And then it just spreads. And it's like, yeah, let me bleach it. It's like, like, oh... Let me... Let me... Carpet.
0: Let me talk through Angelo from the beginning of the story to where we are now. Like... And, like, I'll explain how this makes him the biggest idiot in the world of about. Um, he gets stuck in the boy. Not his fault. Um, he gets stuck there for about thousands of years. Um, he gets out. He sees what future is coming. And then he immediately goes and takes his friend's eye and a, his friend's arm. And then he whips those away to do stuff with them. And... Build his and build uh, the dead body of his friend back up like a Frankensteinian monster by putting all these body parts in there. And he creates Lazarus, and then from there, the man doesn't know what's gonna happen in the future next. Um, he he has already changed, like, oh wait, so he didn't do that first. He went to, after he took Adesina's arm and, uh, and Mars Max Eye. He went to change Nico's future, not knowing what future he was changing it to. He was just like, "It's anything's better than Nico's becoming, like, a cannibal eating a bunch of people. Um, But then he created the problem we have now, and he keeps trying to fix problems. He's the reason that 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 vampire problem became such a big thing in the land of Earth. Um, He gets kidnapped, and now all this stuff is happening. And it's all his fault, because he keeps saying that he wants to stop a bigger future. (laughs) <laughs> but it's like he doesn't know what's happening anymore so now he's just like just driving purely off id yeah it's like I have to do what I think is right mm-hmm. but it's like Angela just slow down stop helping us
1: yeah he's <laughs> just falling down the stairs
0: I need to put a suit of armor around the world stop <laughs> Um
3: yeah um, while you were talking about that, I, I, this is like not. It's in the same vein. some gonna say it. It's like in that so raven. Where it's just like yeah. How much of these things were gonna come true, or how many of these things were come came true because of your own personality of being overbearing? That's like what I think of when I think of Angelo. Um, stop helping. No one asked for your help. No one needed your help.
0: No one
1: needed it. I guess that makes. I, I wouldn't call Angelo an idiot, because I'm like that makes sense. That checks out. It's not a good plan, but like you're sticking to your guns. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, if it's not Angelo, it's it might be Avery. I think her code of honor is going to get people killed.
2: Does that make her an idiot?
0: Yeah,
1: I feel or it like... Or make her
2: someone who's gonna get someone killed? I, I
1: feel think, like you're an like, idiot and the person who causes the most trouble aren't necessarily the same. I guess
2: like it's like you
0: know how the world works. Right. You've, you've been playing within these upper echelons of this world. And it's like you making the decision to still damn these people because you think that no matter what, we still have to do what's right, I think could be seen as an idiotic move.
2: I, I think it's more idealistic than yeah. idiotic I, I think it's. Idealistic that's like people are idiotic well, if, if we are <laughs> gonna, gonna equate the two then sure because um, then, then who's the who's the biggest idiot because the thing is, I guess I guess whenever someone asks the question who's the biggest idiot
0: I never think of like smartness
2: or like intelligence I, I think it, I think that's kind of what they mean though I feel like who's the who's the Michael Scott of the world of Allah
1: who's just like bumbling because the thing is it's like, I can follow both Avery and Angela's logic. I can see how they got there. And I think just because you get so caught up in what you're doing that you don't look outside of it to like double check that what you're doing maps out doesn't necessarily make you an idiot as much as it makes you kind of like a runaway train without whose brake broke, which isn't necessarily idiocy to me because like, I, like, anyone can just get kind of caught up in what they're doing.
0: Because I guess, like, in my head, I don't want to call Sparrow an idiot because he just didn't go to school because he was a product of the system letting him down.
2: I, to be honest, it sounds like um, just fair. We're, we're just not a fan of calling people idiots. And we're trying to think of uh, other usages of the definition that seem less uh, pejorative. Um,
0: uh, man. Because other than that, I don't know who would be like.
2: Angelo, I think, would probably be my pick. Because uh, I, I think that's. There is. I, I think. I, if I saw Angelo, I'd probably call him an idiot for what he's doing. Um, I think that's the perfect line between incompetence and unawareness of the world around him. As opposed to just sort of wanting the world to be a certain way, even if it's not.
1: I'd go with Angelo. For funsies, I want to say Ezra. But. Um... <laughs> That's just for funsies. Cause I so like when I think of Ezra in broad strokes, she's just like some big meathead who doesn't really like care about learning too much outside of her own games. And yeah. really only kinda cares about like getting stronger and staying strong enough to do what she wants without too much care to anyone else outside of how it affects her. So I think it's fun to think of her as like yeah my big dumb jock.
0: Yeah. sorry, I guess um i I, uh, I keep going back to Angelo because it's just like it's like, yes, you can see the eternal logic why he does the things he does. but it's just like he still does so many bad things. like even before he was like in the story, he was like, yeah, he stole from everyone. He got like the biggest bounty. Like one of the biggest bounties in the world, just for he could become infamous, oh and my that's. God.
1: You know what? I get it now. I get it. Hey, hey, what's up? Oh man, you want to be friends? Yeah, I totally almost stole or tried to steal the most precious object in the world, to you. So why don't you like me? Okay.
0: That's what happened with Adesina and Angelo in the first season. Yeah, he tried to steal a dragon egg.
2: Uh, you
1: know what, no, no, now I get it. It's just like, if you're falling down the stairs, when you get to a landing, why don't you just stand up instead of kind of <laughs> careening around to roll down the next flight?
0: And I, and I like the character of Angelo. Like, the thing is, like I said, I think it all makes, like, logical sense for him. Yeah. But it's like, in the contents of that, he's, like, constantly messing with forces that are, like, beyond his very understanding like he's like a really bad Constantine like he's not yeah. good at it
1: Um, Ambrose is an idiot yeah I'm just putting out I'm, I'm <laughs> just throwing out some stuff just some stuff you might I don't know Remus sure
0: Remus is an idiot who else
1: who I else I
2: didn't think I, this would be the most controversial question
1: I'm, I'm throwing shots at everyone now give, uh, give me someone give me someone
0: uh, Lance. He killed a kid. Lance, he like a kid was just like, is there any way that I can become a druid and but I'm a Vaconic? And then Lance killed that
2: kid. <laughs> yep. Well, that that doesn't seem like an idiot, more just like the, uh, <laughs> That's where it's like him murdering somebody. We
1: found him in a room where he was like, yeah, I know how to do runes. I'm gonna turn every liquid within this room into alcohol. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Um, who who else? Who else? Um, the guns are out at everyone. I don't know, Xavier. Why are you you like this? Be better. You're mean.
0: What about that sailor in season two who (laughs) let you guys convert his, like, shack into a boat? Why'd you do that?
1: Why'd you Gideon? Why did you follow Angelo? You're a dragon. How did you get killed?
2: Um, the owner of uh, Billy Bob's sickle store? Uh, you know, His entire store would be a front for Nico to sell me a fake sickle. Uh, <laughs> pretty idiotic. Uh, Don't waste your store. Did you
0: ever get that sickle?
2: I didn't. No. <laughs> That's the worst part. Rokander didn't get the sickle. He didn't even get. It. It's like I went through all that trouble. I had a I had a, a rune tattooed on pink. me, and I th- there was a real sickle there, and I didn't get it. It's...
1: Said, so, you yeah, know what? Rokander, Rokander, a, Rokan- Rokander a little I'm bit
2: too. <laughs> he went through all the t- he, he got the tattoo and he wasn't just like, well, I got it. Can I still get the sickle? I actually want that.
1: Can you give me a cool sickle? Yeah, Rokander, Nico, you're late. Nah. Throw a sickle <laughs> on the side. Rokander, mm,
0: I'm hurt. I'm gonna play dead.
2: You want it? Go get it.
0: Okay, I think that's I think that's a good place the in the, in the episode. Um, if you ask us to rank the intelligence of World of Valor characters, um, I, I I'm gonna ask for qualifiers and the definition of idiot that you're working up there. We take or, this way too seriously. Or also, um, don't put us in a place where we have to insult our characters. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been this has been fun.
2: This has been Asia. This
1: has been Sam.
2: John.
0: And I hope you guys have a great night. (laughs) Bye -night. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye.